Hello, everyone. Welcome to the uh, very special edition of Rooster Teeth Podcast. Um, this week, we're joined by Mr. Bernie Burns, Hello. Matt Hollum, CEO, Gray Haddock, uh, supervising producer, uh, and Gus Sorolla, uh, as usual. And um, I mean, I don't know. There's some of you, I'm sure, that are watching the podcast who might not read the, the website or might not follow us in various forms of social media, but... Uh, for those of you who weren't aware already, um, uh, last Thursday, our dear friend Monty Ohm had a simple medical procedure, and afterwards he had an extreme re- allergic reaction. He lost consciousness, and over the course of the last week, he's been hospitalized. He did not regain consciousness, and we are very sorry to say that Monty passed away yesterday. Sunday, February 1st, at about 4.34 in the afternoon. And so, uh, last week we missed the podcast. We did not have a live edition of it. We showed the PAX panel because we were dealing with this crisis at that time, but we weren't yet comfortable enough to really talk about it publicly um, because when Monty lost consciousness, he didn't really have a chance to tell us what his wishes would be. So, we wanted to respect his privacy as much as we could. That being said, um, if we missed two podcasts in a row on Monty's behalf, I don't think Monty would have liked that very much. I don't. Th- I, don't I don't think he would have. No, I you don't. know, despite the fact he, you know, wasn't didn't feature regularly on the podcast. Uh, he was here most Mondays, uh, mooching pizza or uh, <laughs> watching off on the sides over here. Uh, or, or he would he would be in his office, and as he always did, he always was watching something. And making something at the same time. That was yeah. kind of his MO. And uh, he'd have the Rishi podcast on, and then he would stop to make sure to tweet at me that we had already talked about this <laughs> or <laughs> tell me in a way that I was wrong. But he also had suggestions when we were looking for something to talk about. Monty also had suggestions all the time of like, you know, talk about this or do that as well. And sometimes listening very loudly in that little room back there. <laughs> I was always concerned there was going to be a feedback loop. That was yeah. emanating from Monty's corner, you know, in the podcast. Jack um, wrote a journal talking about some of his uh, memories of Monty today, and he posted it on the website. And he uh, told a story I'd forgotten about, which was when we were uh, out shooting the first immersion, which was the uh, video game car. That uh, you know, we were between takes and <clears throat> we were between setups, and uh, we were all standing around, and we were like, "Do you hear heavy metal music? <laughs> like, what, where is that coming from?" And uh, that was the first time I experienced Monty in power down mode. He was just off to yeah. the side with his headphones in, full blast, and he was uh, totally asleep. <laughs> and we went up. We were like, "Are, are you are you okay? Do you want to do you want to turn that down a bit?" And he just like woke up for a second. Like, nah. It was loud enough that outside, with the wind blowing like twenty miles per hour, you know, at this big wide open space, and everybody's running around yelling, that it sounded like. You know, the music was playing out of the boom box. <laughs> it, was, it, it was directly in his ears, and he was he was just sleeping. It was amazing. He was just out. Yeah, he was hilarious. I'm starting to wonder if I have to keep a tradition over in the animation department of, of, of just blasting that sound system from time to time just to kind of keep everyone going. Yeah. Should be a rite of initiation, like a... During a, during an all nighter, like the, the newest person on the team has to wear the has to wear the headphones and, yeah. and sit there and and animate. The yeah, crazy yeah. thing was is where we filmed immersion. Uh, we didn't realize at the time, but it was a block away from where we are now. Mm-hmm. Like we came out to the old airport because it was the only tarmac where we thought we could run this truck privately without the cops stopping us. 
you know, with our blow up dolls and Monty and Frank dressed as Yakuza. He, they beat the he, shit out of you. I was going to say he beat the shit out of me. He did not. Him, he did not pull punches. He he got me good. I was I had a bad bruise on my side from where he kicked me for uh for like for like a week and a half. After that was that. a very physical shoot. I remember Jack also got like a horrific sunburn. I'm surprised you remember anything else, Jack, from that experience. But also we we hadn't been working with Monty. We worked with Monty for a while, I guess, at that point, but not doing much stuff out of the office. Have we made that short? So here's the deal. That? So uh, the first Pax East was when we showed the pilot episode of Immersion. It was also the first oh, time we right. debuted Monty's work. That's right. So Monty had been working for us like in total s- secret for six, six months. months? Yeah. yeah. So we'd been working with him, but we hadn't done that much outside of the office. And you never know if somebody, when you go out on on set or in the field, what their personality is going to be like, how it's going to be different than you know in the office. And it turns out he's just as crazy <laughs> outside the office as he was in yeah. and really enjoyed beating you guys up. Yeah, he. I that was a fun day. To show how unfamiliar we were with Monty at the time, I said I felt nervous by asking him to play like essentially an Asian character in in a sketch. So I asked him that. Of course, he was completely fine with it. And then I asked him, "Do you have like a crazy suit that you could wear? <laughs> Something like really high fashion?" <laughs> I never, because I didn't know at that point in time. That was before I'd seen I think his, his response was, "How many do you need?" <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you my collection of wigs that I have. But, uh, yeah, and it's, um, it was crazy to think, like, you know, Monty being a guy who, he was so meticulous about the way he presented everything, he was so meticulous about the work that he did, the way he presented himself at conventions, uh, all the time, you know, he just, he, he dressed to the nines and never dressed the same way twice that I can recall. It was amazing to me that somebody, knowing him now in hindsight, that he could go six months with like zero, limelight working so hard mm-hmm. and just knowing that this moment was coming you know you know i was thinking about that uh today i was thinking about the time we premiered his work there at uh at pax east at the first pax east uh-huh. and uh I, I i never thought about it until today like that's the building where i met him for the first time i met him at anime boston in 2007 right uh the week that he had released haloid and um i remember we saw it and we shared it all amongst the office yeah. like crazy I think independently, all of us emailed him immediately yep. saying, you need to come work for us. And uh, it's like, it's one of the few fanboy moments I've ever had at a convention was he emailed me back and I was like, I'm going to get to meet Monty. Yeah. Like I was, I was so, I was so excited about it. And uh, he came by the booth and, you know, we, we went off and got like coffee there in the convention center. We talked for like an hour about, you know, his process and how he did things. Um, so it was really cool, you know, three years later, he, you know, he didn't come work for his teeth immediately. He went and worked, uh, for, in the video game industry, but he eventually came back and it was cool three years later to have the big unveiling and be there with him, you know, when we showed off the warthog breaking through the wall. Well, that was funny too, because I think <clears throat> everybody did email him immediately and was like, you're badass. You got to come work for us. But then there was a conversation that we had where we were like, yeah, so, you know, we should do stuff together. And he was like, okay, cool. And then that was it. And then he went and took the job at the video game. He would work for me. And then Chicago. later he said to us, oh, you guys were trying to hire me? I thought you were just like messing around. Like, what did you think we were calling you? I didn't know what your plans were for. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, well, so let's work together now. So, And it was, always, it was years later. He uh, went to work for Midway and then moved out to the West Coast after he changed jobs in the video game industry. And that's when I caught up with him again is uh, Kale Anonymous, uh, who used to run, is it Etsy? Is that how you say it? Et cetera, at Machinima. Um, he had a panel and he invited me to be on it. I was like, oh man, I've never been on a panel at Comic-Con. I don't know, is that, what's that all about? And I looked at the list of people and on there was Monty Ohm. 
And so I said, oh, absolutely. If Moneyum's going to be there, I'd love to talk to him and see what he's up to. And I think it was like three years after we tried to hire him the first time yeah. uh, that we went out there. Because it would have been, you know, the Buda office, Gus, and then all the way to Congress, mm-hmm. like halfway through our stay at Congress. And, uh, yeah, we went on the panel together. And, uh, you know, Monty's just is very sure of himself, but he doesn't talk a lot in those mm-hmm. scenarios. He doesn't, he doesn't do that kind of thing. Yeah, and, uh, that was... That, that was, I mean, that's how I knew him for the first large chunk of time. I guess by this point, you guys were at uh, 636. And um, uh, this was RVB 9. So he'd been with you guys for, what, a little over a year at that point? RVB 9. Yeah, he, so his first day was the last day of Season 7. seven yeah. the, okay. he, he secretly worked on a shot in Season 7 of Rivers Blue, the laser face shot. Because right. I had done it with like a Spartan laser, like kind of faked it. And Bonnie's like, oh, that could be better. I remember you <laughs> setting that shot up. In order you to try to plate it correctly and make it look right, you covered the television and post-it notes. Do you remember that? Because I had to line it back up again. Yeah, and you only were like trying to expose the parts of the shot that were supposed to line up and everything else was covered in a sea of post-it notes. Yeah. And I think that's when he walked in. He saw that and he was like, no. <laughs> you're, just, you're just disgusted at your process. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, that's when we had to like match shots in uh, in theater mode in Halo. We would have to do that. Oh, but, crazy. No, but nothing. Just when, uh, you know, so I, I um, met him early in, in RVB nine and I was just doing VFX at the time. And, uh, a bunch of us were in the upstairs part of the office. And I think, uh, you know, Monty more or less had the downstairs, like the entire back soundstage green screen area was his domain. And, you know, by as RVB nine ramped up, one or two more folks were, were occupying that space. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, it, it was just kind of crazy to go downstairs and, uh, be where you know all of this stuff was spread out you could see all the chemicals and the props and the costumes and, chemicals. yeah and and, and all that. the nerf stuff i mean i think you know he's probably the, the originator of, of half all the nerf weaponry that's ever been around here but um probably yeah, yeah just walking downstairs because uh all this animation we get del- delivered to post and it was just crazy stuff and i knew that the guy who had worked on haloid was was down there somewhere went downstairs and just wanted to say hello and i think he, he I, I i distinctly remember that the first words i got out of him were uh, or at least like the two or three times and eventually you know you get the rhythm of conversation going and then you realize that you can geek out about the same stuff and just it takes off from oh absolutely but yeah i think he was still kind of getting used to the fact that the company was still growing and new faces were starting to show up and he didn't have the whole you know two thousand square foot (laughs) things as uh his stage quite to himself anymore but yeah but he was never he was never like a huge like an order, like a huge talker. Like your panels, he'd be very quiet on the podcast. He, mm-hmm. he, didn't, I mean, he was definitely somebody who was so dedicated to his work that that's what how he wanted to impress people was that way. At the same time, you know, I think everyone here can tell a story of like being here for whatever reason at like midnight or ten a.m. or ten p.m. one night just for whatever reason they were here, and then they get in a two-hour conversation with Monty about mm-hmm. something where it was like. Matrix movies or, you mm-hmm. know, Monty Love Game Grumps, you know, or just everything, everything and anything. Monty was constantly consuming lots of different stuff and was, was a huge fan of so many different things. Yeah. That's a wonderful just, thing about it. just losing sense of time while talking to him was always the, the neatest little trick. You know, no, no matter what you were going to deep dive, whatever you're going to geek out about, and then you would blink and realize that three hours had gone by and then you mm-hmm. didn't get back to the, the shot or whatever. So. Yeah. I thought that was really cool about him that he, he did like basically everything in the world, you know, every kind of content. And he wasn't cynical about anything. I never like can remember a time where he, you know, made fun of somebody else's work or said something else wasn't 
cool enough or, or whatever. He just like could always find something really interesting and compelling about everything and wanted to talk about everything. He, you know, like, I mean, anything from, you know, big budget Hollywood movies to little independent movies to anime stuff to anything you find on the web. I mean, like you say, love Game Grumps and you love gaming videos and just pretty much anything under the sun. He would always um, find something that was unique that you hadn't thought of about it as well. Well, he thought it was a, he, I, I, he always said that he felt like that was a big part of our culture now is watching things and then, you know, using those things. It's like you basically take your experience in the world and turn it around as a few, act as a filter and then like create something new and exciting, you know, based on the total aggregate experience of everything that you've seen and done. And that, that was fascinating to me when he first came to work for us was to, to, to see him work and all the time have something in a secondary monitor that he was watching at the same time or observing. Uh, I remember when, uh, years after, years after, after he'd been here for a few years, when Avatar came out on Blu-ray. Yeah. He watched Avatar on half speed, like on a loop. Yep. Nonstop. He had and, to get a special player that would play the whole movie at half speed. And, uh, <laughs> no sound. Yeah. With no sound. He yep. just wanted to see the way that everybody moved, the actors moved and, you know, the computer generated. Uh, characters moved and just to try to study, you know, the motion, which seems like most people wouldn't even think to, to look at that. It's like, oh, it looks good. So you ignore it. But no, it looks so good. You want to really drill down and, uh, and understand it. He never stopped being a student as good as he got at everything else uh, that he would never stop learning. And that was something that I always found inspiring. And I know that everyone in the animation department felt the same way. And, you know, there was, there was nothing that, didn't have any value. There was it, everything, no matter whether it was a Hollywood A-list title or something someone uh, produced on their own just through online or whatever, is that there was always something that you can learn in terms of why it worked or sometimes why it didn't. Mm-hmm. And he was constantly studying. Mm-hmm. You know, I got, to, I got a chance to talk to you, and I'm, Matt, I think you did too. I got a chance to talk with uh, Monty's <coughs> older sister during this last week when she was in town um, to see him and uh, to hear about experiences when he was younger that he would just you know, want something, not figure out how to get it or they couldn't afford it. And he would just build it, find a way to build it himself. Yeah. And, uh, I thought it was really special to me that she got a chance to come here and, and look at his workspace and, you know, see how like all these little contraptions and things that he's like built, you know, that yeah. I mean, you go into his office, it's like all these trinkets that are like disassembled and reassembled back into something else. Yeah. Or like I, not even, you know, even like trinkets, like from different objects, you know, yeah. he would take apart multiple objects and then recombine them and recontextualize them into yeah. into new ways. Some uh, a couple of stories that uh, I heard in the last week, which explained so much. Um, uh, apparently, in, in the household growing up, you couldn't leave him unattended with electronics because you would leave the room and then come back in. Whatever it was was disassembled, <laughs> so he just kind of figure out how it worked. There was another one which uh, uh, apparently he had a tendency to uh, run around unclothed quite a bit as a kid. Which now I get um, why he was running around all the time here wearing nothing but the mocap suit day in and day out. There was a period when he first got that mocap suit and he was so excited about us having mocap in the office that I don't think he took the suit off for like <laughs> five, six days straight. I don't know what was it, Jack. It was just like, I mean, yeah, it was, it was the, the suit had its own baked in Monty essence by the end of that week. That that was he would go to the coffee shop and restaurants just down the block with the balls on it. Yeah. Just like he, I mean, he lived in that suit. We'd see on the monitor just like this, like 3D model eating a 
sandwich drinking <laughs> down the block. We knew we knew money was worth that. You, was that's probably the one of the harder moments that I've had in this past week was <clears throat> I came back in here and his uh his mocap suit was hanging on a hook on mm. on the back of his door and that was that was a tough that was a tough moment for me to see that because I'm not used to seeing that thing inactive yeah. you know well then you know you mentioned his sister talking about her stories of him as a kid and you know I was talking about him just being desperate to get you know lego blocks like not a not a set of you know like star wars prepackaged legos or whatever like you know we buy kids today but it's just you know he, he just wanted anything he could create with he was like desperate to create all the time and he's still you know he was that way throughout his life he was just like desperately creating he just like had so much that he wanted to get out and it's like however much time he spent on it wasn't enough and that's why he would work he would stay up for 30 hours not because yeah. anybody, people told him don't do that <laughs> many times, but he just like he could not help himself. He got so excited about the process, and just so invigorated. It's like he would be in like the twenty fourth hour, and he get a second win. It's like this is great. I got to keep going. I, this, this is the best thing I've ever done. He's so excited. You know, you talk about how his uh, sleep cycle was different, and uh, the men in black sleep cycles. <laughs> I, re- I remember once at uh, Ralph Ablanado, we were down there, and um, it was before the. The studio was fully fleshed out. It was still kind of empty. It was our last studio. Right. It was the, at the, the old studio. The place where, you know, and we were like three years, for the last three years. Uh, I needed to, to have a meeting. We were doing uh, planning for RTX 2012, I think. And uh, the meeting room, the conference room was taken. And so I said, well, let's just go meet out in, in the warehouse space. I don't think there's anybody in there. I peeked in. There was no one there. So uh, <laughs> I sat down at a table to have a meeting. <laughs> and uh, we're like halfway through the meeting. And I adjust my feet. And I feel something under the table. Uh-oh. Like... <laughs> What the hell is that? <laughs> he was the table and Monty was curled up taking a nap. Like I guess he was on his off cycle from his thirty hour shift, and he had just like decided to you know take a nap there right by his computer. And I was like, we've been having this meeting for like fifteen minutes. And he's, he's just out. <laughs> I was like, we got we got to go somewhere else. Normally, you just have to Surprise. peel him off of his keyboard. You know, he's just yeah. sort of you know passed out right at his workstation. But yeah, that was also it was one of the frustrating things about working with him too is that he was always creating stuff, and so we'd be coming up on a major deadline. You know, for animation, sometimes it'd be like 30 weeks in a row we were working on something. And it's like, hey, there's a deadline two weeks. It's like, Monty, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making I'm, – I've been spending the last week of my time making these mechani- mechanized robotic angel wings. And he's like, look, I attached it to a servo and I can make them flex on their own. It's for a cosplay. And I was like, yeah, that is that good. That's cool. Can you, can you not do that for like a month or so? He just built that. He just thought, it'd be cool to have a pair of robot angel wings. I'm going to do that. And he built himself. I don't know if a time <laughs> that he wasn't working on three things at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. Heat of production. We could be crunching on on anything. And um, there's the show in front of him. Uh, there's uh, the next thing he's designing on the side. It could be uh, you know, a, a ideas for a video game or or what have you. And then he's always thinking one year out in terms of like the next show he'd want to do. You know, you talk about how he's always building things and you know, taking things apart and putting them together. You know that emoji with the hearts for eyes? I think that was his face when he saw the 3D printer that we had that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's, I said that to his sister that the 3D printer showed up here and immediately went to Monty's desk. Somehow. I'm not sure how yeah. that happened. It's the one-man QC department for all of Maker right now. Yeah. I don't know I don't know how many times he had them on the phone where he was needing new parts because he just drove it into the ground or just finding new ways to you know, try and improve it. Well, if you guys obviously did this gear this way, it wouldn't have been breaking so much, blah, blah, blah. And he gave him so much feedback. It was just crazy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the thing the thing was but. constantly in production, printing, making stuff, and yeah. Monty yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, it was definitely a big part of Monty's life was dealing with the limitations of things. I always feel like Monty was constantly coming up about the limitations, but also having an appreciation for those limitations because he's always thought the limitations made him that much more creative, trying to figure out how to get that boundless entertainment that he wanted to create, but within the limitations that were just forcing him by when he was making entertainment, essentially. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we saw him and we've talked about his uh, way to come around limitations, you know, with creative solutions like, you know, ripping keys off of a keyboard so that he won't hit that them That was the first experience I had with him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we, he came down and we bought him a really expensive, really nice laptop. Let's call it what it is. We bought him a nicer computer than anybody else in the company had at the time. We were it was a so, big deal. We were so shoestring. I, I, the company had not bought me a computer yet. I was still <laughs> buying my own computer and bringing my own computer to work at this point. And we bought him this super nice laptop. I was so jealous. And literally one day later, like half the keys are ripped off. And first thing he did was take a screwdriver and jam <laughs> it into the caps lock key and pop it off, and then the F one like, key you, and pop it what off. What are you doing? <laughs> He's like, oh, well, if I hit that, then, it, you know, it messes up the way I work in the program. So I just want to make sure I never hit it. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> it was so hard to look at. Yeah. <laughs> and his keyboard in there right now is completely popped off. I did not know. I Somehow I, this escaped my attention. My desk that I made, when we were at Ralph Albanado, I lost like an office and then I was like kind of free floating for a while. Monty ended up with my desk that oh, I that made. Yours? The, the hydraulic one? The plywood one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Raises and lowers. And of course, uh, he was building something on it and completely like burned part of it. <laughs> There's all these deep gouges in it now. Monty ruined a lot of desks. <laughs> Actually, I was looking at pictures the other day, just going through old photos, and I came across one I had forgotten about, and I turned it, showed it to Sheena. It was like the, it was a moment where Monty had offhandedly said, "Oh, I think I scratched that desk. I might need a new one." I was like, "Oh, okay." And then I came down and looked at it, and the desk was like eviscerated. It was just <laughs> completely destroyed. Had chemical stains from all the crazy, you know, stuff he would use for his epoxies and all that stuff. Oh, it was yeah. just, it was nuts. He burned his own face. He chemically burned his own face one one summer. Oh yeah, right before Comic Con, he like was working with epoxies, mixed them together, and then somehow wiped his face and Ooh. then had huge burns on his face. I was like, Mommy, that is not good. <laughs> Shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. I tell that story to sisters. It was more, yep. it was more efficient than using gloves. It was. He was busier. What, busy to, what is your, what is your absolute favorite, like, Monty Ohm efficiency tip of all uh, time? Uh, well, the, the microwave. It's gotta be the It's gotta, it's right, it has to be the microwave. <laughs> you, you, so for people who don't know the microwave, it's, if you have to put something in the microwave for a minute, <laughs> instead of hitting six zero, you hit 55. Right. Cause it's one number. And it's pretty much a minute. It started yeah. first. It said first it's going to put in one zero zero. Then you realize he could just put in 60. And that was faster because it's only two digits. But if he hits 5-5, five, five, it's the same thing. That extra second that you would take to move your hand to hit the different keys was too much repetitively. I so, think yeah. there was another layer, too, where he'd go 5-8, and he could do yeah, it like in a row. Yeah, it was like, like if he could figure out with his digits, like what was the best way to... To, to make his way so down do to it. the enter button or the... the I don't, he was so obsessed with the efficiency stuff. Like, the last time he was over at the house, like, I was washing dishes, and he was like... I was talking, he's like looking at me, and I could tell he wasn't paying attention to anything I was saying. He was just looking at the sink. And after a minute, he goes, your sink is not very efficient. And I was like, <laughs> what? How can a sink be more efficient? It's just like a bowl with you know, the hole, and that's there's not much to it. And he was like, I, I can find a way. I'll make you a better sink. Monty. I'll make you a better sink? Is that what he said? He'll 3D print you a sink. He'll 3D print me a sink. <laughs> I think Monty is personally responsible for me finally uh, learning like a Windows OS 
keyboard shortcuts and stuff mm. in the tool. We were, you know, there was, he would go a little quiet or occasionally you just get this hint of a sigh if we're doing editorial reviews. And if you dare use the mouse to navigate to get the file up or whatever, <laughs> those are precious seconds. Yeah. We've been viewing footage. Oh, man. Or, yeah. Yeah, another yeah. computer story. I mean, he held on to Windows XP forever because he didn't like the Windows 7 interface. Yep. Yeah. And then because it, it changed some of his shortcuts. And then, you know, finally, we just could not buy a new computer with Windows XP. I was like, he I'm was sorry, like, Mike. Like, I can make it look like Windows XP. We went through and would, like, He was searching on eBay and, like... <laughs> Everywhere is like, this is the computer I want, you know, because it's like Windows from 20 years ago. He just would not move. Yeah, yeah it has it to was, be like Poser yeah. 95, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I would be calling manufacturers like, listen, I want the computer you have for sale on your website, but I don't want the OS. Like, can we just get an old copy of Windows XP thrown in? They're like, no, we don't have the driver support. Like, I know you got a guy. You've got someone who's got to be able to do this. <laughs> eventually, we got him off of that on the Windows 7. Yeah, that was a... We, yeah, and then we had to go through and... uh adjust the theme to give it the XP, the classic feel, because all the arrow stuff took too much resources. Mm -hmm. He didn't want uh, his his computer wasting time generating all those flourishes when it could be uh, rendering faster and doing those other things. There is that. And of yeah. course, I mean, if you think he's that way about OSs, then, you know, for sure he's that way about his animation software, where we're like, hey, man, new version, whatever. And it's like, oh, this one's doing what I need to do. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go to this other tool? It's like, no, this is the one that I'm fast at right now. It's getting what I need to, to you know, it does what I need to do. We're good. Yep. Well, people on Twitter are saying that we already told the podcast story before about money in the microwave. <laughs> so yeah. They're just keeping keeping the dream alive for Monty. I just want to point out you don't have to you don't have to call us on that. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I you know I just there were so many cool things about Monty, and I just think that the way he lived his life, where he just he didn't care, you know what I mean, about what anybody anybody else thought. He was just going to go do it, which was really cool. I remember one time we went to. Um, they're like really the first like big award show we'd ever been to. Mm -hmm. Um, like Hollywood award show was the producers guild awards. And it was, yeah, it was us and, um, a few people that worked on, um, Ruby and RVB. And I guess it was just RVB. It was RVB 10, right. That we were there for. And Monty was, <laughs> Monty was with us and, uh, Bernie and I had like gone out and like rented really nice tuxes and we're like, you know, gonna look spiffy for the red carpet. Cause we get to walk down a red carpet and we're like, Literally right behind LO Cool J. We were all excited about it. And Monty had gone and made himself one of his amazing outfits that he makes and looked, of course, completely different than anybody else at the red carpet. And we go out there for the walk and, you know, we start, we walk across and all these flash bulbs have been going off and, you know, people taking pictures and you hear like the, you know, yeah. like machine gun sound of, of, of cameras going off for all these celebrities. And then as soon as Bernie and I walk through, all the cameras turn off. Hey. <laughs> it was like a deafening everybody, silence. Everybody took time to like do maintenance on their cameras yeah. at that point. Like, so oh, like, let me see the setting. Who are these guys? Not two idiots. Just let them pass through. Like they didn't take one picture of us. Maybe like one like a guy was like, okay, fine. You know, and we get to the other side and then Monty walks up looking super cool and just like, you know, like somebody out of this world. You know, you know he's like always walked in. He made it a a, you know, a grand entrance. He was he, always prepared style. if like a Michael Jackson or K-pop video broke out. He'd yeah. be ready. <laughs> he was and all the, the cameras, sure enough, go, and they're just taking pictures of him like crazy. There's like, this yeah. guy's got to be somebody. And he was somebody. Remember, remember he wandered up to Russell Simmons? Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> what? He wanted, he said, saw Russell Simmons, world famous producer, walked up to him. He goes, I think I know him. <laughs> like, he wandered <laughs> across and said, hi, did you see Russell Simmons go, what? They looked at money, he goes, 
<laughs> Get a little nod. I don't. I can't think of another rock star animator. Um, no, he was a rock star. Yeah, yeah he was. Genuinely well, that's the thing. Star. I mean, so um, the last couple of RTXs, uh, you know, for one thing, yeah. So I think we're gonna have to up our game in terms of our our fashion sense at the conventions. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he he would occasionally like say something. You guys, come on, you, you wear this to the office every day. What, what do you, you have your your Converse and your T-shirts and the jeans and whatever and you know, show them something special. That's, where yeah. where, are, your, where are your robotic yeah. wings? <laughs> you got to get on that. But um, the yeah, his entrances at the the panels were something to behold. Yeah, back yeah. at uh, RTX 2012, um, we uh, rented a pump it up machine and okay. uh, put it on the floor <laughs> so that uh, he could uh, go out and dance on it and uh, like have basically exhibitions showing people how awesome he was and. We had this giant banner printed up. I don't know if you remember it. It said the Monty Ohm experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I, uh, I found it the other, uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, uh, going through storage. And uh, uh, I thought, you know, nobody wants this, right? And I went over and uh, I grabbed Monty. I was like, hey, you remember the uh, Monty Ohm experience banner? I, I found it. Do you want it? He goes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he came and grabbed it and uh, took it back. Uh, he hung it in back his bedroom. I don't, I don't know where it is, but... Uh, <laughs> He, uh, he, he kept it. It was, it was an awesome photo. It was a, it was, it was really, really cool. We're gonna have to, uh, uh, do something with that. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I think we've, over time we've hung some of the, um, like the, the store banners, the photos of, of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, we kind of like it was the, the master of the dojo. We had his up there, uh, downstairs at 636 for the longest time. But, uh, you guys, um, so it sounds like some people have stopped by his office in, in the last week or so. Have you have you been by? Yeah, I went, I went by earlier this week. Yeah, um, you know, and then uh, uh, we took his sister uh, Tia on a walk through as well. Um, yeah, it's different. You know, yeah. it's it's different to see it. I mean, Monty also he also did work from home a lot. You know, just because he liked to work. You know, wherever he was most comfortable. Yeah, and, he worked uh, in the car sometimes <laughs> while driving. Coffee shops. You know, when he was out of town, he would do that too. Um, vacations were like torture. It yeah. seemed like yeah. for Monty sometimes. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I don't have a vacation he ever took where he didn't bring at least one laptop and the latest assets for the show he's working on. And whatnot. I, he would always come back and he would have like three more characters built yeah. and uh, you know the next fight ready to go. And like you were supposed to be having downtime. It's like for him that was yeah. downtime. I, I think it was PAX East 2013 where um. We were flying up there, and we were, our flight was supposed to be Austin to Dallas to Boston, but the Dallas to Boston flight got canceled. Uh, so I had to scramble, and re I rebooked all of us to fly into New York, and then we had to rent a van and drive from New York up to Boston. And uh, we were going to be premiering the uh, Blake trailer at uh, mm. at that PAX East, and so we landed in uh, in New York, and it's like I don't know, it was like a three hour drive, I guess, to get to Boston, three and a half hour drive. So you know, we got in the car, started driving, and Monty busted out his laptop and. You know, the whole time he, he worked until the laptop stopped, until like the battery was gone. It was like, you know, closed it up, then he powered down. I think we have an RT Life video of that. You know, I think Carrie's back there. And I think uh, he just, you know, put his head down and powered down. And Carrie started, or so, I think it was Carrie, someone started like filming him just in powered down mode. And without moving his head, just reached out and punched the camera like he knew exactly where it was. It was, it was, uh, it was so, it was so badass. And, uh, I was sorry. I was driving. I only got to see it in the rearview mirror. I wish. Uh, I wish I had been back there. Hmm. Yeah, he did have eyes, not just in the back <clears throat> of his head, like everywhere. I mean, it was crazy. He, I mean, the 
we talked about before how he could watch all those monsters simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And it did seem like if there was a foreign object flying at him from somewhere, like when we were at the, uh, was that, I think it was PAX. It was another PAX where the guy came up and threw the lemon. The lemon punch. Yeah. Oh, and God. Yeah. Smack and punched you right back at the guy. That was hilarious. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, yeah, that was, that was, that was amazing. That's one of, one of the standout memories that, uh, that I, I, I always equate with Monty. Yeah. I, and I feel lucky to have been on the stage yeah. and uh, to have seen that first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, I think one of the hardest things in all this is like Gray was saying earlier, Monty's always working, always like working on new stuff. And it's, it's, we'd just been in the process of talking with Monty about like what was next. I mean, that's how Ruby came about is that, you know, Monty had done about three seasons on red versus blue. And we said, you know, Monty, this show's going to last a long time, you know, and you can, be the lead animator for Red versus Blue for years and years, but is there anything that you want to do? And he was said, "Let me show you this." And he showed the first thing he showed me was a scythe that turned into a gun. And I said, "Okay, I'm sold. This looks good. Whatever this is." And then <laughs> went into it, and then he made the Ruby Red trailer uh, himself as like a test concept. And uh, you know, the stuff that Monty was working on. I think the saddest part of all of this is just, um, you know, there's a there's a there's a lot of Ruby left that that Monty's worked on. Um, and you know, he's talked with us over the years and talked with his team that you know, basically hand selected himself to, you know, tell them of, of ideas that he had for it and places he wanted to see it go. So I, I feel safe in that, but I, I do feel sad about the loss of those things that we'll never see, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, that work that he just didn't have time to, to make. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, I think, uh, the question, what would Monty do is probably going to be coming up a lot. Um, we were talking about the office a little bit ago. There was, you know, we, we were wondering, do we, do we close the door? Do we leave it open? It's like, no, we're going to leave it open. Um, it's, if, if, if you're looking for just a, a little spark of, of crazy genius, I, I highly recommend just standing in there for just a moment. Um, and, and seeing what shakes loose. Uh, you might find something like a desk of yours. <laughs> or, yeah. Or if you're looking missing. for various pieces of missing furniture. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not going to be the same. It can't be, but we can only, you know, we can be inspired by them and we can keep raising the bar. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a big part of what Monty did in my life was keep raising the bar. Keep, yeah, you yeah. know, you always say, Gray, he always said, move, keep moving keep, forward. Keep moving forward. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I lost count of how many times I heard him say it. Keep moving forward. Um, whether you were in the middle of a production or that was advice to the crew sometimes between productions, there's always, you know, once or twice a year, there's this sort of bittersweet moment where, um, uh, after being in the trenches with everybody for months and months at a time, a production needs to wind down and, um, you're not entirely sure when the next one's going to start. You know, it's coming, but you can't say for sure. And, uh, you know, we would gather folks and he would, he would just tell, look, just, just get through, just survive the next couple of months, go do something creative, um, go study, go explore, go refill your creative well, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but keep moving forward and then we will all get back together again and we will get moving on the next thing. Yeah. And, um, it's, you know, uh, throughout every single day of, of the last week and a half. I mean, I, I don't know what I haven't been thinking that now. I lo- I love that. That was a, a phrase of his because, you know, you don't kind of think of these things until you have the benefit of hindsight, but that's just sums up Monty 
entirely where he he had to keep moving he had to keep doing he had to keep creating he had to keep being monty <laughs> which was an amazing thing to be and um i'm gl- i'm really glad he, he left with left us with that as a mantra it's like he inspired us in, in a lot of ways and um he will continue to inspire us yeah he uh you know, it's 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 very sad that Monty's gone, but I mean, he accomplished so much in 33 years. I mean, if you think about everything that he's done, the work he did on Rivers Blue, creating his own show, it's loved by millions of people. You know, it's going to be distributed now in Asia by Warner Brothers. Uh, it's just amazing, and it's like it's almost like Monty had a sense of you know of time of his limited time because of the urgency that he had in his life, you know, and in a way. His greatest enemy at the end of it all was basically time. Dying at 33 is just, it's just such a, such a tragedy, you know? And, uh, but he made, he absolutely made the most out of his years and made the most out of like literally every moment. He tried to like, you know, make it as good as it could possibly be. And on a a smaller level, whenever we were working on projects, it was always time was the factor of like, this, this has to come out. I want to make it bigger and better, bigger and better, bigger and better. And then it's just always time was always the limiting part of it to him. I remember there was a couple times. I mean, there was a couple times we were done. I mean, it's like this is a lot of times. It's like people just want the relief of the person in charge saying, "Okay, this is done. It's locked. We're out." Monty's like, "I think I have one more scene. Like, Monty, please, <laughs> please. We we have no. There, we need to burn this DVD tomorrow morning at seven a.m. There's not time for eight more shots in the sequence that we're talking about." He's like, "I think we can do it. I think we can do it." And there's like several times that we yeah. that we did it because Monty drove that and said, "I want to get this done." And uh and he did, and he got it done. Some of my most favorite touches on productions from the last couple of years are things that we got in there the last night. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you've got everything planned out. The scene was fine as it is, and then he had one more cool idea. And it's like, you know, screw it. We didn't need to sleep tonight, right? Come on, let's, just, <laughs> let's, let's go for it. Come on, <laughs> you know, you know pain is temporary, hard is forever. Let's go ahead and, you know, and knock he this thing out. Sleep tonight, so yeah, yeah. yeah. adopt so that thirty-hour sure day. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Um, yeah. So, well, uh, we wanted to come on tonight because um, you know Monty was let me, well, everything we've talked about tonight. Monty was somebody who really valued you know, working uh, and really. Uh, like doing it. He still did enjoy his life. And some of you are learning for the first time that he was married last year, uh, married Sheena. Um, did, didn't talk about that very much publicly, um, although they were inseparable for the course of the last year and a half. Um, you know, like I said at the top of the show, if we can miss one podcast uh, for Monty's sake, uh, when we were at all at the hospital kind of taking care of him or doing what we could to, uh, but there was no way in hell we could get away with missing two on his behalf. There's no way he would have tolerated that. So um, we do want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. Uh, We said it up front, this would probably be a shorter version of the podcast. And um, I just, I just want to say how much we we miss Monty already. Um, Because I have any closing thoughts. Um, Yeah, I was a big fan. I was a big fan. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we actually uh, we actually prepared a little video to show you of Monty's work. Um, he's a very bright light, burned for a short time, thirty three years, but we love him very much. We miss you, Monty.
Hello, Mr. Monty Ohm. Hello, Bertie. I was very excited about the moment my first scene showed up at a convention. No one had any idea what to expect. Got a full house from the Ruby panel, RTX 2014. With Red vs. Blue and Rooster Teeth as a company, there's a lot of things we hope to create to make people happy in ways they couldn't, wouldn't expect. Red, white, black, and yellow because of Asian. <laughs> it's, it's easy to forget to sleep when you're working on something cool. So you just work as hard as you can, and still it's, there's never enough time. So the thing you got to learn to is essentially let go. What we end up making is always larger than what we think it'll be. I do believe thoroughly in giving everything you got towards whatever you're doing at the time. My favorite thing this time around was sharing it with everyone else, my colleagues, my friends, who all worked on this project. For the longest time, it was just assumed we ended up here for some reasons that we don't need to think about. No. <laughs> but we tend to be masters of our own fate. The only thing that stops us from doing the really cool things is time. And we're in a huge fan culture at the moment, where everything is some has spawned off of something. If you, if you look at something and if you intend to use it, you have to emulate it, which means you have to understand it. I've landed in a very unique place where if I want to make a costume of something, I can also make the character that it's derived from. At the end of the day, we're still looking at people and they need to behave like people as an animator. There are things you need to notice that most people wouldn't be seeing. The most important thing, do this as often as you can, watch movies or watch shows or watch things. Just keep your eyes open. It's a lot of destiny, really. I mean, very few people have the luxury of doing exactly what they want to do as their job. There's never a day where I forget that. Moving forward, is, I always think about what's next. So, like, I, I'm, I'm super excited to finish what we have so that I can just start working on something else.